So, Rachel. Yeah. Escape nanites threaten the Enterprise as well as its critical research mission. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? Well, they'll probably get into the computer and then into data. Some opening and closing of doors and that kind of japery, I guess, as well as some real danger. Bev will get trapped and she and Riker will save the day. Let's see. All right. Sounds like an episode of Star Trek to me. Cool. Captain's log, stardate 43125.8. We have entered a spectacular binary star system in the Cavis Alpha sector on a most critical mission of astrophysical research. Our eminent guest, Dr. Paul Stubbs, will attempt to study the decay of neutronium, expelled at relativistic speeds from a massive stellar explosion, which will occur here in a matter of hours. Cause you're once, twice, Three times a season, <laughs> and I love you. Maybe we'll see. We're at season three, where next gen gets good, and I'm giving it some heavy quote marks here because that remains to be seen. Yeah, this is not the strongest of starts <laughs> to the season, but there's some really good episodes coming up, and I'm very excited about getting into season three. As we learned from Chaos on the Bridge, Maurice is out, Pillar is in, and this one is written by him. Well, this episode begins with Wesley asleep at his desk in the mm. science lab as the Enterprise D orbits a red giant. Riker wakes him up over the comms and he rushes to the bridge. He's late. The visiting astrophysicist, Dr. Levi Stubbs, what? is on the bridge. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what is he saying? He's from the Four Tops. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. Yeah. Uh, reach out. Come on, girl. Reach, reach out. out for me. And then all the plant songs from Little Shop of Horrors, the... <gasps> The movie. Oh, God. So good. Yeah. Yes. Sorry to disappoint everybody, but this is not that. Uh? That's not the Levi Stubbs. <laughs> I this wish is it just was. A Stubbs. So go get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an unusual outfit that we tend to have for non Federation people. Kind of some odd crossover scrubs with a crossover unironed tweed future suit over the top of it. I mean, yeah, it's you got to keep coming up with new combos, I guess. It's really strange. It's somewhat formal, but also not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and other people look crumpled in this episode as well. It's as though they've all kind of been asleep or all the costumes, although new, have all been in storage for the past few months. That, well, yeah, this is um, all the new uh, main characters have fancy collared uniforms. This is very exciting to me because this is what they kind of stick with for the rest of the series. And yeah. I, I like it better. Oh. Uh, but it says here, I found this on Memory Alpha about these new costumes, the new uniforms. They cost $3,000 each to make. Ooh. And were made of breathable wool gabardine. 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 Do you mm. know what that is? They use it for coats often, light coats and suits. Oh, okay. To give greater comfort for the main cast, many of whom had begun to suffer fatigue and back pain as a oh. result of wearing the older design. Gosh, back pain. Do you think it's because they had to sit up straight all the time or yeah. something? Or it's that it's a jumpsuit. So that when you sit, maybe it, it pulls. pulls. Yeah. Oh. I, I'm, I'm just guessing here. I don't know. It says only characters above ensign rank initially wore these new uniforms. Uh, background performers retain the old-style jumpsuit, which we saw, and I think I made comments on, where we saw yeah. a lot of no-collared 
people running around in the background. Uh, the uniforms were later used in some episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Generations. Oh, okay. So well, I don't like them. <laughs> but I don't like change. <laughs> but you. But I'm glad they're more comfortable. You don't like the new uniforms with no. the colors. It's too bulky around the waist because they've got to line the jacket and trousers oh, separately. Wow. But I think that's probably more forgiving. I mean, I wouldn't want to sit down in a skin tight unitard, unitard <laughs> <laughs> being filmed particularly. No, no. I don't so think anybody really wants that. Yeah. I, I don't like the collars. There's nothing wrong with it. Why change it? Oh, my God. It just looks less like pajamas and more like a uniform mm, to me. That's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Stubbs takes a shine to Wesley and tells him how beautiful the star is. Over and over again, he says, the intense gravitational pull of the neutron star sucks up the star material from the red giant and builds up on the surface until it explodes every 196 years like clockwork. Does it then recycle and happen again? I think so. I think that's Ooh. the implication is that it explodes, gets reabsorbed by the red giant, and then wow. and it slowly gets sucked up again by the neutron star. Picard orders the launch of this probe, which they call the egg every mm. once in a while. They're supposed to get some readings that are supposed to help move science ahead hundreds yeah. of years. In know. an unspecified way, obviously. Exactly. Suddenly, the Enterprise is rocked about. Dr. Stubbs goes flying across the bridge. The ship's controls aren't responding. But there's nothing wrong with the inertial dampeners. Uh-oh. And yet they continue to be thrown around. Huh? 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 <laughs> Seatbelts. <laughs> and they seem to be heading straight into the path of the stellar matter. The shields won't respond, shouts Worf. It couldn't be higher stakes, Chris. Oh, I know. At this point, I assumed the egg probe was mm -hmm. causing it somehow and that it contained nanites that had got loose. That's a reasonable assumption to make. In fact, I think I thought the same thing watching it a second time because I couldn't remember the All story. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not the most memorable one. No. The Enterprise is drifting towards the stellar matter with only 30 seconds left to impact. Oh. Picard orders a manual override on the shields. LaForge activates the impulse engines in full reverse. Mm -hmm. Well done, that's always a good move. Yeah. Which seems to stabilize the ship, but they've still got forward momentum. And it's weird that all systems are reporting normal. The computer claims there's been no error, which makes no sense later. Well, yeah, maybe. Because mm. the systems are basically getting overwritten and bits and pieces are being taken from it. And Yeah, but it'd be able to tell, wouldn't it? I don't, unless it compromises its diagnostic systems, hmm. which is what happened here. Oh. <laughs> Very I'm going to go Very ahead good. and say that. Uh, Dr. Stubbs is taken to sick bay where there are many injured people being treated by Dr. Crusher. There she is. She's back. She's got a new haircut, mm -hmm. shorter, and a new uniform. Quite a somber reunion for us with Bev. Yes. You thought they might have a bit of a, I don't know, because dance number. They've skipped over all, hey, welcome back, Bev. Yes, you know, I she's they would, yeah. She's on, on duty, so she's working around. But they, they address it in, later in the episode. But it would have been nice to have one of her little zany conversations with Picard. Anyway, she's at work. Wesley tells Stubbs that all systems have returned to normal and they can attempt another launch as soon as he is ready. Even though the last attempted launch coincided with everything shutting down. Yeah. And the stupid experts begins. Yeah. Even though it turns out it's not that. You yeah. would check first, Of course it? you would check. Bev shares that it's good to be back with Wesley, though she's missed about two inches of him growing up. Mm -hmm. Stubb says, I'm not sure I'd want my mother flying through space with me. Oh, he's such a stirrer. <laughs> <laughs> None of his business, is it? Yeah, maybe some people actually get along with their moms. Yeah. Stubbs. 
Stubbs invites Wesley again. Why is he always creeping around Wesley? To go and check on the egg and the two leave. I guess he recognizes a fellow child prodigy. I think that's I think what's implied. Yeah. yeah. Best buds, I guess. Then Bev notices the replicators going wacky. It's just pouring and pouring pink water into a glass overflowing. Yeah. She gets the computer to check and it claims it's working perfectly. Well, check again. Bev orders annoyed, which <laughs> they love doing, don't they? Yeah. Telling the computer to have another check as though it could have got it wrong. <laughs> and sometimes it has. Well, I mean... I, th- I mean, obviously the computer is all wackadoodle right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, how many times have you like run a program, shut it down and then restarted it again? Well, we're going to do that later. (laughs) (laughs) Good old restart. Uh, The computer continues to tell the forge there is nothing wrong, but Picard pulls the Picard maneuver of not taking no for an answer. We need a song for this by now. (laughs) I haven't done one for a while. Someone says it's impossible. And then he just says, we'll just find a way anyway yes <laughs> which works it works great it seems but it to be is working basically his main maneuver isn't it he's just <laughs> he's just a guy who tells other people to have another go at it yeah just don't give up crusher visits picard and we get this john luke how would you feel if you were a 17 year old and the only starfleet officer whose mother was on board inhibited i suppose mm. but then i'm not wesley And if you are concerned about him, I see no evidence that there is a problem. I know, but in a funny way, that's exactly my point. We talk, we smile, it's almost too polite. Beverly, isn't it just a matter of time? Tell me about him. Well, he's becoming a very fine officer. He works as hard as any member of the crew. Riker says his studies are online. No. Tell me about him. He's his father's son. Honest. Trusting. Strong. Does he have many friends? Has he ever been in love? Um. Jean-Luc, I'm worried. He's come so far so fast, and since I've been back, I don't feel... His dependence. Beverly, look, he's... He's 17 years old. What were you doing when you were 17? Probably getting into more trouble than Wesley, I can assure you. So was I. Isn't that what 17's supposed to be? Oh, you're asking the wrong man for advice here, Bev. Well, yeah, he I barely guess. Has any, no, he does. He does have contact with Wesley, and we've never really gone with the idea that he's bad with kids, have we? Not much. No. And he was a party animal. Remember, he got stabbed in the chest uh, yeah. for being a rabble rouser, so he's he's calmed down since since then. Yeah. But in his youth, he was probably doing lots of things. He was having a good old 17 time. You know what I'm saying? It's really sweet, the comparison he gives to his father, who they both loved. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it made me think of the actors reuniting also. There's emotion there that's probably between Stuart and McFadden. Yes. What were you like at 17? I was in theatre. I was much heavier. I had long hair, Mm -hmm. really ugly glasses, dressed terribly, liked high top shoes. A bit Napoleon Dynamite. A bit Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Neither of us were being ironic. We were just being who we were. Yes. And you were loved for it. By your friends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. lots of friends, yeah. Yeah, but good. not naughty. Not going around rabble-rousing. No, In fact, no. avoiding that. I was, yeah. I was a 
Goody Two Shoes. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you still had a nice time. I did. <laughs> that was pretty good. Did a bit of drinking and bongs and stuff at people's houses, but <laughs> when you were seventeen? <laughs> yeah, that was about the extent of it. My friends' brothers. Oh uh, right, know, yeah, older brothers. They got the good bad influences, but it didn't yeah. take much. To be fair, we were both doing theatre and yeah. doing our exams and. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I was probably hard. not working as hard as I should have. I was fairly lazy as a student because I didn't, I was kind of bored with it. So I liked mm-hmm. my nerd stuff and I got into that. And then, yeah, spent, well, look how that's paid off. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Here I am. <laughs> Follow your nerd dreams. <laughs> Dr. Stubbs is inspecting his probe down in the shuttle bay. Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> inspecting your probe? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wesley asks him how he can be so calm when he's on the verge of a major breakthrough in astrophysics. And the doctor says, I never doubted that this day would come. You know, Wesley, your day is going to come too. Oh, it must be so nice to never doubt. Yeah, this, can you imagine that? Yeah. To have a lifelong goal. It's, so, it's decades ahead, but you're never in doubt that it'll happen. That's crazy. Oof. I guess that's the crazy big successful people have those kinds of... And I don't know anybody. they're able to stay single-minded. Yeah. As long as it's still possible. There was that guy, wasn't there, who um, solved the math equation, oh, proved right. that it couldn't be the way right. it had been written in that margin. Yeah. And he just stuck at it as long as he was still making progress. Yeah, right, yeah. Wow. Yeah, not me. I can't do anything for a couple of weeks unless <laughs> I get loads of praise and money for it. <laughs> uh, he does caution Wesley, though, that you will never come across a greater adversary than your own potential. Yeah, what do you think? That's true, especially other people's expectations of, yes. of you. you know, yeah. Like, oh, look how smart he is. He's going to be an amazing person and do these amazing things. So you like, better oh. fulfill your potential by going for the most lucrative, most esteemed career yeah. or something uh, like that, even if it's not what you want. You look at poor Wesley at the beginning of this thing. He was working so hard on his little science project, he fell asleep Yeah. at the desk. Pulling an all-nighter. Andy works all day. You you think I ever fell asleep working on something like that I was supposed to be working on? No Unless you'd left way. it to the last minute, which is <laughs> what I did. But we did a lot of those high caffeine Coca-Colas yeah. to get through that. I think it's also if your family have poured a lot of investment into you. Sure. So you better, you know, give a return on that investment because exactly. you got the potential. You've that's had why, all that privilege. Yeah, that's why I don't put any effort into my children. <laughs> Yeah, it gives them the freedom, doesn't it? Yeah. We get a red alert. Sensors have detected the approach of a Borg vessel. Oh, no, this oh, is the worst time God. for this. I Why? Know. It's Didn't think we'd get this so soon. Season three. But there's no evidence of it on the view screen. This episode is mostly just Worf and Riker saying things. <laughs> They're barely in this summary because they don't actually do anything. No. There's nothing they can do. It's opening fire, but then it disappears. I did feel genuinely relieved, actually. Oh, good. When it turned out they weren't about to be attacked by the Borg. Yeah, that's a little stressful for your first episode back yeah. in the third season. It's just a computer error. It starts saying chess moves and opening and closing the doors. Yeah, a little bit of wackiness. Which you called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the ship is rocked violently, then the controls are unresponsive, all engines are down. Wacky ship stuff happens, and this is mm. a lot of ship <laughs> error problems. And it's it becomes... Wacky, but not very fun. No, tedious. It becomes mm. very tedious. Picard calls everyone for a meeting. Hooray! The main computer is failing. Data said it should self-correct. Well, yeah, it should. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been a complete systems failure on a starship for over 79 years. Troy shows up to announce Dr. Stubbs. She's like a secretary sometimes, isn't she? She just brings people to the conference room. Stubbs is only interested in his experiment. Picard says, hey, buddy, 
The safety of the ship and crew come first, obviously. Yes, Dubs. So Troy tries to reassure Stubbs, but he is adamant to continue the experiment, saying that he would rather die than leave. Oh, he's going to go rogue. Yeah. Obviously. Get him under guard. You've been here before many times. Uh And so have the TOS crew. Yeah. So they should have maybe given you a bit of training on that. (laughs) But no. Interestingly, Stubbs tells Troy to turn off her beam into his mind. I liked that bit. Oh, yeah. He's withdrawing consent. Yeah. For her to be scanning for his feelings. Yeah. And he's a prickly guy who just doesn't do feelings. This is a thing, like, that I wonder about psychic powers. Like, do you have to go in somebody's head and go, okay, dig around in there? Mm. Or is it like a broadcast? When you think things, these thoughts and feelings are just coming off of you. you I would would think you probably can't turn it on and off. The way that you can sense how someone's feeling when they walk in a room, if they're... You know, not brilliant at hiding it. Yes. (laughs) You can't not feel their anxiety or their fury or something, can you? Yeah, so I think Stubbs should sit on it because she's not (laughs) beaming out his brain into his thing. It's like, well, you're coming off, you're giving your emotions out to the universe there. So you control your emotions, pal. Yeah, he's just a misogynist. (laughs) Uh, A moment later, he stands up. Well, if we don't leave in time, it's one sure way to get into the record books, eh? Meaning that if the ship blows up, we all die. We'll get But we'll there. be famous. Yeah. Gosh, yikes. And he leaves the room. And Troy explains that Stubbs has put his entire self-worth on the line for this experiment and that he's being honest when he says he would rather die than leave. Picard says, duh. <laughs> Poor Troy. <laughs> she, got, she keeps giving it a go. Yeah. You can't just stop trying no. to do your job, can no, you? No, no. Even though nobody's ever found you useful. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I need to write the ballad of Troy. Oh, poor Troy. LaForge and Wes discover increasing disintegration with the computer circuitry. If I didn't know better, I'd say somebody has climbed in there and started taking it apart, says LaForge. Mm. Yeah, it's the nanites. Yeah. And then Wesley starts doing real shifty eyes. Um, (laughs) Yep. And rushes back to the science lab. He opens a container and begins scanning. Looks very worried and leaves. Oh, Wes. Oh, boy. But he's off to tell Picard, I assume. Uh, yeah, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> right. That's what any responsible person would do. Yeah. No one likes getting in trouble. No. But this? Yes. <laughs> to this extent? Yeah. Of if, a problem? If yeah. If it causes, even if he suspects it, which I think is what's mm. going on here, is he suspects it and he doesn't want to get himself in trouble if he's wrong. Yeah. But. Don't go on a one-man crusade to prove that it is or isn't the case risk it well here i mean in the next scene we find out because he goes to 10 forward he's setting up these little traps and guinan comes in and says hey what are you doing he goes uh you know i was working on this nanotech thing and setting traps for them yeah there's the nanites are for advanced genetics project and he was trying to make them better like better nanites i know he's living in this world but it's not like he's just grown a bean plant yeah from a seed is it these are (laughs) <laughs> the nanites we're talking about. You can't yeah. just let them get loose. So basically, he has them working together mm-hmm. and learning. And of course, that's always bad when you have a machine do that. Uh, the nanites combine their skill and increase their usefulness. And it's going to oh, be dear. trouble. He was doing this on his own in the science lab. No supervision. Microscopic technology computers. Yeah, That's a terrible idea. Who's authorized that? Mm. He just got free reign. I guess he's got... Well, remember... He, in, a few episodes back he was working on a project that enabled him to make a warp yeah. engine you yeah, know like it's pretty great so i guess they give him a lot of leeway mm. well obviously his project here his nanotech 
worked, but he fell asleep and left their container open. And, oh. he, and he's just saying to Guinan, it's, it was just a science project. <laughs> yeah, it's not a junk model of a cell, is it? It's, this is a <laughs> yeah. big problem here. And she goes, oh, yeah, that sounds like something Dr. Frankenstein said. To me, kind of. <laughs> she s- says it as though she knew him. Yeah. But is she just joking or is, is Dr. Frankenstein real in their fictional world? I don't think so. <laughs> then he asks Guinan not to tell anyone. Oh, yeah. What? This is, come on. And she doesn't. Well, and, she, and he says, oh, yeah, because I'll tell them. Yeah. And it's like, no, this yeah. isn't really important. If you're wrong and this isn't causing the problems... Nobody's going to care. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you'll get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. But working too hard, that's your... Come on, dude. It, it's dude, ridiculous. Guinan should go with him while he tells someone right now. Yes. Or call him. That's... Okay, he's a teenager. So teenagers yeah. do dumb stuff all the time. Yeah. But Guinan is... She's the opposite bazillion years old. Yep. Exact opposite. <laughs> and she needs to go... You and I are going to go talk yep. to the captain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to talk, but I'm going to stand and make sure you yes. you tell him what's going on. Even if we had a confidentiality agreement here, this would be overridden because this is people's lives. Yes. This is safety. Your life. Yes. My life. Everybody's Ridiculous. life. Ridiculous. Cranking up the stupid expert. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a song, you know. You just sing about... <laughs> Cranking up the stupid expert. And the verses are incidents where people do really stupid things. Yeah, that's good. It's the Fred's and so. Although we can't think of it. (laughs) You know, like this. So, uh, Plus some nights on the ship and I'll tell no one. Cranking (laughs) up the stupid (laughs) experts. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Yes, yes. A manual restart is successful. Good old turn it off and on again. Glad to see that back. Yeah. Time to resume the launch of the egg, but the doors won't open to the shuttle bay, and now the computer is loudly playing the stars and stripes forever. Another bit of japery, <laughs> but surely they could have found a way to add some humour here. <laughs> that song, it won't turn off and it's playing throughout the ship. Shut off the power to the bridge! Picard shouts over the music. He really does not like that no. song. Maybe he's got a difficult memory involving a trombone. Could be. Yeah. The bridge goes dark except for the console. So how are they powered separately? Beats me. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. I go, it doesn't the power seem like, to the bridge. There seems to be quite a bit of power still going to the bridge here. Yeah. But whatevs. Picard asks LaForge if he can get the ship out of the star system safely. Stub lurches forward, insisting they stay, but is still allowed to go unsupervised <laughs> to the shuttle bay with Wesley. Come on, guys. Here he shares his fear that history won't remember him and that he won't be mentioned. Do you care about that? Nope. <laughs> he goes on to talk about to ever. <laughs> baseball and how he plays whole seasons in his head as a reward of patience and knowing that his time will come or something. I don't care, dude. I know, it's creepy. I meant, do you care about whether you have a legacy? You know, I've got a legacy. I'm doing these shows. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my legacy. And yeah. my kids, or if we have grandchildren someday... They can go back and listen to me talk about dumb stuff for hours and hours and hours <laughs> yeah, yeah. and get a sense of the type of guy I was, which I would have loved to have oh, that for my grandparents yeah, me too. or my great grandparents. Like, who were those people? Because yeah. they were gone before I was born. Yeah. It's just creepy how he's always hanging around Wesley and telling him stuff about being in you and it just creeped me out. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> he does. He does. Being in you? Yeah. Something about... There's a lot of me in you. Oh, okay. Remember? All right, yeah. I see a lot of myself in you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, creeped me out. It's it's creepy. Wes is still not told anybody that this 
is obviously the problem. We know Ridiculous. it's the problem. Uh, he's looking at his little traps, trying to figure out what's going on. The Bev comes in, suggesting he should, you know, take it easy, buddy. <laughs> You're working too hard. You're yes. 17. You're a kid. Go have some fun. And he goes, look, I've got responsibilities. And Bev's like, you got too much effing responsibility. Yeah. Mom, you don't understand. You are a 17-year-old. I am also an acting officer, and I have responsibilities. I'm beginning to think maybe you've taken on too many responsibilities. Look, I have done everything that everyone has asked of me and more. And how can you know? You haven't even been here. I'm here now, Wesley. Come on. I'll help you. What are you looking for? I think I've made a horrible mistake. Oh, oh God, finally. Sure have. Well done, Bev, though. Staying with him rather than getting defensive. Mm -hmm. Could have gone differently. In the conference room, Bev gives her TED talk on nanites and their medical uses. The ones that have infected the Enterprise have evolved. Wesley confesses he allowed them to interact and evolve past their intended purpose. Oh, they're going to come down on him like a ton of bricks. Nope. Nope, nothing. <laughs> Picard doesn't even raise an eyebrow. Wesley shows them how the nanites can absorb any piece of technology and then they replicate using it. They zoom in on part of the computer and confirm this is happening. But why would they attack the Enterprise? Oh, who cares, said Stubbs. Just kill them. Yes. Uh, Dr. Crusher, she protests. They are now working with the collective intelligence, teaching each other new skills. They have rights. They are an intelligence. You wouldn't get that from Pulaski, would you? No. Maybe you would towards maybe the now. end of Yeah, maybe season. she would. Uh, Stubbs and Crusher argue. He compares it to a virus replicating, which she wouldn't hesitate to kill. I thought that was interesting. It was. Mm -hmm. But it may be intelligence, says Crusher. Picard tells them, Wesley and Data, you got to solve this thing for the experiment. So get on it. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> All right. And where do you draw the line between a virus? say and this i don't know tricky, well a virus isn't intelligent it just evolves it just has the survival a, of the fittest it just has a very i think simple action that it performs over again it's which is reproducing whereas these are intentionally attacking they're using the resources of the ship to enhance themselves to replicate to reproduce mm. to learn each generation of them becomes more and more sophisticated so they're not just more resilient yeah so wes is given the role to solve this he's a child he's mm -hmm. hardly had any sleep and yep. he caused it yep sounds like a great idea <laughs> at the computer course dr stubbs learns wesley laforge and data are trying low gamma bursts to slow down the nanites stubbs blasts the nanites with an energy weapon killing a bunch of them Where's Troy when she could be useful? Yeah. Like, if someone withdraws their consent to her, does that mean she can't do anything uh -huh. anymore? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But if she did follow him around a little bit, or just sense him from afar, we would know he was going to go rogue, although anybody could tell you that he was going to go rogue anyway. Yeah. They grab the doctor before he can do any more damage. Uh, in his red room, Captain Picard tells Riker he cannot get the story of Gulliver out of his head being overpowered by Lilliputians. You love reading. We get it, Picard. <laughs> now the bridge is being flooded by nitrogen oxide, which is the stuff that's in smog and acid rain. Ooh. Riker manually overrides the air handling, but the bridge continues to suffer malfunctions with lights and councils flashing on and off again. Oh. Worf informs Picard Stubbs has killed the nanites in the upper core. Stubbs stands smugly in front of Picard. You have no choice now. It's a matter of survival. Why is he still being allowed to hang around? I don't know. Get him, get rid of him. Picard lamely claims he'd do something about him if he was a member of his crew, claiming he will have Stubbs's head if anyone on the Enterprise is harmed. Mm -hmm. But he's usually more bossy with people whether they're part of the crew or not. Yeah. Sort them out in a crisis especially. Yeah, yeah. Stubbs reiterates, just kill them. 
they're just machines with a screw loose. And Data said, well, then why did their actions change as a result of you attacking them? Now they're attacking us. Yeah. Finally, Picard orders Dr. Stubb to confine to his quarters. As he leaves the bridge, some of the systems are back online and Picard's brain reactivates. He asked Data to communicate with the nanites. <laughs> Yay! Finally, I'm glad that came back online. Dr. Stubbs gets a visit from Troy. Oh, she's still trying. But he's resistant to her help. But he invites her to join him in New Manhattan, where they can laugh over glasses of champagne. So gross. She refuses, saying his self-portrait is so practiced, so polished, and stretched so tight that if he finally fails, it may snap. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think she might be right there. Yeah. I think it maybe it already has. <laughs> she often does this, actually, doesn't she? She comes in soft, and then she goes steely with somebody. Yeah. She's going in soft, and he's still being a jerk, so and then she, she goes... she goes tough love. Yeah, she goes tough love. Yeah. He claims, nice try, but sometimes deep down beneath a man's self-portrait, you may find nothing at all. Is he a psychopath? I don't yeah? know. No feelings, no fear, not, nothing, just driven. They do care. They just don't have empathy. Isn't that what a psychopath is? Because well, psychopaths well, get angry. Well, according to reading again, their amygdala doesn't fire for fear and they don't remember how frightening or gross it was when they last killed someone for example oh or last fired someone or whatever but they do get a, a thrill from things though yeah it can depend but when they've done tests on them um, anticipating an electric shock they don't get scared even knowing it's going to happen they don't have a reaction until they get shocked whereas yeah. everybody else gets scared and revved up in anticipation right oh, of, co of course it's complex they do have feelings. They like, mm. you know, they like killing people and they'll, you know, like doing... Or getting ahead in business. Or, or whatever. You know, whatever or, it might be. Or becoming president of the United States. Or going into space. <laughs> <laughs> in his quarters, Dr. Stubbs is taking a little nap and he gets zapped by an electrical surge from the computer. He staggers out of the doorway and falls into a crewman's arms. <laughs> Very melodramatic. It's pretty good. <laughs> the director's obviously trying to prove something in this episode lots of unusual camera angles as well yeah there's like a really wide shot of a very emotional scene i remember thinking like oh that's weird you Why quite liked that? it though didn't you it was interesting yeah yeah now at sick base Stubbs grabs picard and begs him to protect him from the killing nanites and picard goes well okay <laughs> <laughs> just as they're about to kill the nanites data says i can communicate with the, with hey, the nanites. oh data some binary code is appearing in response to Picard's bluff. Was it a bluff saying he was going to kill them? No, or no? I think he was going to do it because it's it too dangerous to the ship. The nanites are learning and adapting as they try to communicate. Dr. Stubbs is brought to the bridge to say sorry to them. <laughs> Data proposes he allows the nanites to inhabit his own body so as to make communication easier. Yeah, called it. He called it. Worf says giving them control of a Starfleet commander is dangerous. But mm. as usual, nobody listens to Worf. Nope. The nanites accept and enter his body. Great performance from Brent as usual. Yeah. They discuss what has happened and everyone says that they meant no harm. Oh yeah, it's easy to say that now. Yeah. Well, Stubbs does a apology he says yeah. i'm sorry i didn't know what was going on. i didn't know you were intelligent and i feel bad and i'm at your mercy he says well yeah it's a decent apology isn't it it's not if, i'm sorry if you feel that i would yeah did no something no unusual. and basically saying if you feel like you got to kill me to not kill everybody on the ship then do it yeah well, that's another way to get in the history books so he's not well there you go <laughs> Uh, but the nanites are reasonable. Peace is agreed upon, and they have a request. However, they said the ship is too confining. We require relocation. Mm, phew. I was scared <laughs> they're going to stay in data and refuse to oh, leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. As usual, beings who screw over the ship get VIP treatment. Right. And they're actually found their own planet to live on. <laughs> what? 
Time for a quick wrap-up. Just wrap it up right in the last two minutes. Dr. Stubbs arranges a planet for them. They leave Data's body and they reconstruct the computer core. Oh, that's nice. The egg is launched and everything goes according to plan. We end with Crusher and Guinan in 10 forward. Do you have any children, Guinan? A lot. Ever had any trouble relating to them? Just one. One. Wouldn't listen to anybody. They all go through that. I'm a species of listeners. Did he grow out of it? Took several hundred years, but I managed to bring him around. How? A mother shapes her child in ways she doesn't even realize. Sometimes just by listening. Cute couple. See? Now that is healthy for a boy his age. I mean that as a doctor, not as just a mother. Ah, it is so good to see him having fun for a change with an attractive young woman who obviously looks at him with extraordinary affection. What do you know about this girl? Cue whimsical music. I would love to meet um, Gannon's children. Children? Are they going to show up? No. Oh, come on. They'd be rad. I'd love to meet them. So rad. Oh, they were almost in danger of passing the Bechdel test there in that last scene. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, they only talked about Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's get into our concepts. We had patients Mm -hmm. who stayed driven throughout decades of work for one end goal. That he was certain sure. was going to happen. And he was so patient. Something about baseball games, his reward for being patient was to play baseball games in his head. Yeah, he was so smart that he could relive these games. He wouldn't use a holodeck. No. He would just He's got them all up here. play them in his head. And that was good enough for him. Life's work and mania. Familiar concept on Star Trek. We've yeah. had that time and time again. Somebody who goes rogue because they're their legacy or their life's work's about to be disrupted and they they have to make that goal a reality no matter what and that their intelligence is so great that they feel like whatever it is they're doing is Mm. the most important thing in the universe yeah and as usual nobody picks up on it and confines them before they can do any damage the nanites evolving was the major concept and whether it was right to destroy them like they would a virus because it was becoming clear they were intelligent and then were able to communicate now, originally, this episode was meant to be about dust mites that became sentient. Oh, whoa. Yes. Uh, this is from Memory Alpha again. According to scientific consultant David Krieger, the plot that he read involved dust mites that had been genetically enhanced and gained sentience and Ooh. flew around the Enterprise uh, in a miniature aircraft. Ah. <laughs> Something he claims he laughed out loud when he first read. That's it so was, cute. It was his objections to this premise that led the dust mites being changed into the more plausible nanites. Uh, yeah, I guess it's more plausible, but it would have been more fun and cute with <laughs> it, the dust mites. It would have Although been I'm allergic to them and I don't oh, know what boy. it would happen if there were more of them or bigger ones. Well, the... There wouldn't be enough Beckonese nasal spray for <laughs> that, would there? Troy attempting empathy on a closed-off person who hates being seen emotionally mm-hmm. was there. I don't think we've had it exactly like that before, that somebody's just completely shuts her off, completely resistant to her yeah. and withdraws their consent. So I was interested in that. Bev trying to rebuild her relationship with Wesley, saying we're too nice to each other. It's too neutral. Uh-huh. He should be 
rebelling against me or we should be <laughs> <laughs> close and tussling with each other or something like that. Who's this woman? <laughs> no, I, I get want, it. I don't want my kids tussling with me. I want them to be nice and happy and have a very calm relationship. But a teenager who never pushes the boundaries or does anything wrong or, or just lets loose a bit, that could be a sign that they've been over-conditioned to be good or that it's not safe for them to do anything experimental or free. Yeah. And if you're only ever nice to your parents, I don't know, maybe that well, relationship's not safe enough to be real in, you know? I think it's nice that she's attuned. But yeah, can't have it both ways, Bev. You've been away for a year, so... Yeah, that's what you get. The doctor bonding with Wes, was that supposed to be fatherly or something? No, I don't I, didn't get that. I don't like I didn't it. Get that. Six for concepts. I give it a, I'm giving it a straight five. Middle, okay. of, the, middle of the road. Star yeah, we've had nanites before, have we? Maybe not. I just they're so ubiquitous in sci-fi that I feel like I've there's been lots of nanite stuff and that's not their fault. No, all that stuff might have come later. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not feeling it. Okay. It feels like a five yeah, to me, so I'm right. just gonna. That's all this really is. Uh, our ratings. It's just our feelings yes. on it. Entertainment. It felt quite slow, kind of flat, like everyone had been asleep since last season. Maybe I'm impatient. Yeah. I definitely couldn't even sit through a baseball game never mind replay them in my head as entertainment <laughs> it was mostly techno babble trying to adjust the technology and talking yeah the scene with Guinan and Bev was nice yeah but that was only one scene mm -hmm. quite a bit of over the top acting gurning from the doctor yeah. it often tends to be the case doesn't it that the visiting actor will go up to 11 while everyone else keeps it yeah at a level great work from brent again on the robot acting yeah. four out of ten yeah four out of ten i was yeah it's pretty boring but it's not terrible it's just it's not really long it's just yeah it's yeah. really repetitive not not a good way to start the season in my opinion and opportunities for fun that would miss sexiness now i'm not keen on the new uniforms why two boob darts you don't need to it's just that's just um i don't know what you're talking busy. about <laughs> you know where you took the material to bring it in around oh, the breast or okay. the chest area. Okay, yeah. Two of them. There's too much going on. I think they re-sew them later. They don't quite, they look a little different. Like there's too much mm. stitching. Too much stitching. That, that there isn't later on. No, they it needs to be streamlined. They deal with that. Good to have Bev back. She's always a bit of eye candy, isn't she? The old guy creeping on wears, or him just, he wasn't creeping on him, but him <laughs> being with him alone all the time just made me feel uncomfortable. 1.5. That sounds right. 1.5. You know, there were scenes with Wes and the girl. Oh, okay. That were in there where I think she was on the holodeck and she got injured and he helped her get to sick bay. And mm. there was, so she didn't just come out of nowhere. But there was no, well, the, there probably was time for that, but I don't know how relevant it was. Yeah. I think it would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than watching something else go wrong. Oh, no. Uh, the doors aren't working. Oh, the replicator's not working. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah we get it. Quit showing us things not working. If she distracted him from reporting his nanite disaster or something, I but don't know. Just a little change up, something that makes the plot. end of it. Yeah, that would have been a better, a little bit more interesting of a B-plot, I yeah. think. Young love. Stupid experts. Oh, the yin-yang. Yeah. Wes, Guinan, Picard letting the doctor hang around everywhere. Four. Yeah. I give it a four, yeah. This guy endangered the ship. Both I don't of them did, Wes, and... The doctor. Well, Wes did, sure, but he's a teenager, and that's what you get for letting a teenager uh, mess well, around yeah. with crazy technology. Yeah. You're you're responsible They're for that. They're all the stupid experts for that. But uh, the the doctor guy, he was no. 
And, no. and and he kept going, well, Starfleet put me in charge of this mission. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and Picard's like, on. I don't give this a This is my fish. ship. Yeah, I'm in charge and I'm responsible for everybody's life. So your guesses? I said they'll get into the computer and into data, yeah. Some opening and closing of doors as well as real danger. Yeah. Uh, I said Bev will get trapped and she and Riker will save the day. No. no. I'd like to thank some new patrons who've joined the crew. Ooh, nice. Welcome new lieutenants, Duncan Mason and 28th Amendment Cat. Ensign Derek Thompson has passed his exams and is now a lieutenant. Oh, good job. Congratulations. And I'd like to welcome Ensigns Zoe Wright and Alias Sionji. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but let us know how to pronounce your yeah, name. Yeah, we'll... give it a go. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome. We're recording these early towards the end of July. So if you've joined us since then, welcome. And we'll be thanking you later down the line. Yes. So thank you so much. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!